And just a disclaimer, we are not doctors. Information shared in this podcast is not meant as medical advice. We do not intend to diagnose, treat, or cure. We intend to delineate knowledge for educational purposes only. Hey there. Hey. Hey, welcome to Native Trees and a Bag of Weeds podcast. I want to say I felt like crap for the last three days. Oh, yeah? Finally got home. I so saw I was at work. Finally got home to all of my herbs and just loaded up last night. Had a hot toddy with some, some good old herbal tea and some sage. And then I had a shot of fire cider today. I feel much better. <laughs> you seem like you do. I do. Definitely seem like you do. And uh, yeah, I can definitely tell. And hey, <clears throat> we're twinning. Yeah, we are twinning. What are you doing? I'm adjusting. You ruined the moment. We're going to have to edit that out now. Hey, we're twinning. Hey, we're twinning. We're twinning. Hey, with our Trees and Weeds Fall Edition hoodies. Yeah. Yeah, that you can find at trees-in-weeds.com. Hey. Uh, cool. So Merch is fun. So your week was sickly? Is not till Thursday. Yeah. Not, no, wait, not even that. Friday. Yeah, I, I woke up to go to work Friday and had a scratchy throat and um like swollen lymph nodes and jazz um and then just felt like really blah for my two days at work it kind of sucked i did the best i could you know with my my daily teas got a lot of good stuff in it but i you know don't bring a whole lot of that with me and get got some um elderberry um and calcium and zinc gummies and then um some cough drops, some like old fashioned honey lemon cough drops. Nice. And those helped some. A lot of Tylenol. I was taking Tylenol like every six hours or so to get through this shift. I'm a. I'm not gonna lie. I'm sleepy, but we're gonna make it through this. Uh, I've been fighting it all day. Yeah. I feel great. the The fire cider definitely uh, helped me out in my time. It of has sleeping. seems to have opened up my face. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it makes you happy <laughs> just to smell it. I love it. You're weird. I love it. It's got a lot of good stuff in it. And I was pleasantly surprised it was not as bad to throw down. No, it's actually quite tasty. Yeah. I mean, you think about all the ingredients that are in that. It sounds pungent. It smells pungent. pungent. It's pungent for sure. But it was not like I've had a harder time shooting whiskey. Like shooting bourbon. Oh yeah, definitely. Then I did. That's I was expecting some extravagantly. It's vinegar. Horrible. Yeah. Deal, but it's vinegar soaked with a bunch of like really pungent things. Things like <laughs> jalapenos and garlic and ginger and turmeric and onions. Like all this stuff is just cinnamon. Yeah. Soaked in apple cider vinegar. It works. It definitely works. That's what are you good. drinking tonight? Pretty tasty. Um, that's a great question. I don't remember what I made. Oh, well, it looks good. Uh, it's a <laughs> mule, I think, with some oh. uh, like apple gym beam. Nice. Nice. So, other I really than like that, the apple bourbons yeah. or the apple whiskeys. Other than that, your week's basically been uh, preparing for craft yeah, fest. Yeah, my craft fest snuck up on me. My brain was. Being struggling. mean, it was. It was struggling. But that's why week. you have your chief executive officer. <laughs> My bath bombs did not want to cooperate. I haven't perfected those, so I, I jumped the gun on posting those. Um, I've got a bowl here of at least 
bath salts. at least a They're bath dozen salts bath bombs that I've crumbled up now that will probably be sold as bath salts. And then a whole bucket of another dozen of clearance bath bombs that are at least not falling apart, but have cracks in them. Yeah. But well, that at, work. At least they didn't turn out like the petty fours you made that time. Listen. <laughs> Those I, were all over the wall for years. I have anger issues, maybe just a little <laughs> bit when my anxiety gets really bad. And so the petty fours, they just, they rubbed me the wrong way. And so I slammed them into the wall. That's oh, yeah. fine. Yeah. Well, cool deal. Well, my week wasn't extremely exciting in any way. Um, I was trying to think, I was going to give you like a recap of my week. Uh, we had a bunch of wind, finally got some rain. We got the other pig. We got the other pig. Who yes. my, uh, youngest was going to name Kate, name Katie. Cause we were told it was a female is not a female pig. It's another male pig. It's Tater. And so his name is Tater. He's a little and, black piggy. Yeah. Well, we named, just for the backstory on that, he's black with a little white spot and I wanted to name it after Dale Earnhardt. And originally we thought it was a female, so I'm like, I can't name a female pig Dale. Um, so I was like thinking through what could be related and like Intimidator, but like you don't want to name a pig Intimidator. No, oh, I do. I mean, <laughs> I guess now we could go pig. back to Dale, but but uh, uh, I, I shortened Intimidator to Tater, and it yeah, worked. I like Tater, uh, and it goes with pumpkin. Fun fact: pigs cannot eat raw taters. So don't feed the pig raw taters. They can't why is cook that? taters. I don't know. It's on the list of things they can't eat. Well, I don't want to know. That why. list is very short, by the way. <laughs> yeah, pigs are garbage disposals. Eh, no, but for for your scraps and junk. Yeah, mainly. But you do want to be careful what you put in them. Yeah, they yeah. can't eat everything. Truly, truly. And yeah, speaking of Katie, that was an interesting tidbit for my week. Was finally getting some clarity on. My Cherokee lineage, very exciting time, and my fourth great-grandmother's name was Catherine, shortened to Katie, and turns out that she actually did walk the Trail of Tears. I thought it was her mom. No, it was uh, my third great-grandmother, which is Winnie, Winnie Winnie's which mom, lived, Catherine, okay. Yeah, Winnie lived at the end of the I dirt road. I do terrible with genealogy. Yeah, but she lived, they, Britt and Winnie, Brat and Winnie. They lived across from where the dairy is up there, mm -hmm. which is, is really weird. Like all of my family branches from the Helms family to all the family. Um, then you can go to my mom's side to the Greers, which is this uh -huh. branch. And then like my entire family tree lived within a half mile radius of our house. <laughs> they still do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, With still the do. exception of your mother. Yeah. And are all buried, so a lot of the Greers are at Panther they're, Creek. They're Panther Creek, right up the road where we used to yeah, go to Yeah, they church. built Panther Creek. Wow. Yeah. Then, but now Catherine, with some of the other family, is buried up here at, is it Pilgrim's Rest? Mm-hmm. They're buried at Pilgrim's Rest, which also is the burial grounds for the Cox side of the Helms family. Of the Helms family. Yeah. So, okay. So, Grandmama Helms is also buried yeah. at... Um, Pilgrim's Rest, so everybody's really close by. <clears throat> but yeah, they that still was, are. Yeah, I was, that was that's been a tidbit of my ancestry that I've been. And this is why we can't for, just pack up and leave and go to North Carolina, which is where I'm from now. Actually, right. North Georgia. We were North Georgia. North Georgia, yeah. Turkey. Yeah. 
So, which is really cool. That's, yeah. I've always had and I mean, it makes inkling. a lot of sense. You can see, like, even your mom has some, like, just the way... The skin complexion. The skin yeah. complexion. Um, I just, I mean, it, it's always been kind of obvious that y'all had some native yeah. heritage. And we do have more, like, on that Greer side. I was barking up the wrong tree, mm-hmm. is how I ended up with this. I was going up the Greer patriarchy, um, which is where I did find my Muscogee Creek lineage. Um, on Brat's side, Brat's mama was Muscogee Creek. And this is what the, the rumor was that... It was a little thinner on that side, though, wasn't not, it? No, she was 100%. So it'd be the same... We're starting at 100% at the same spot on both sides. Yeah. Just from different areas. And that was when I originally come back because I'd always heard the rumor of great-great-great-grandma and walked the Trail of Tears. And I was like, no, because they were Muscogee Creek. And she come down to Florida... And Mm, ending up in Florida is not just my understanding of Native history and putting together pieces of their map and navigation and where they ended up just didn't make sense. But with the the Trail of Tears, she started the Trail of Tears. She didn't go all the way to the reservations, Um, the Cherokee grandmother. But there was some bad juju that happened along the Trail of Tears, which is how she ended up down here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, that was the most interesting piece of my week the chat that I'm still looking into. Yeah, that's so, exciting. Um, and I know that's something you've been really drawn towards figuring out. I knew from the beginning. I'm like, something in me feels drawn to the Cherokee Nation. Like, even when we go there, like, I just I feel like yeah. home. And then as far as the culture and the lifestyle, even studying after I knew... The Muscogee Creek lineage, I'm like, something just draws me back to Cherokee. Like, something just kept pulling me from my guts that way. So, it's kind of nice to have that bit of closure on on where to go. A little affirmation. Yeah. Yeah. It's been nice. And it's really cool because I even went through the process of planting the Cherokee rose. I have like a Cherokee flower pot with all the different stones and rocks and everything like i've yeah. always just had a thing your feathers for, from the Cherokee my feathers i wear daily and my hair handmade by a older cherokee lady so it all works out might be my cousin i don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway i think you cut me off before i said this a while ago i was going to say thanksgiving edition because we are continuing down the um typical november yeah things um and I think, I'm going to guess that you are continuing on with your pumpkin pie spice Absolutely. stuff. Yeah. And I don't know which one you're doing. I think I do. I think I know which one you're doing. I think it will go really good with my whiskey right now. But A lot, um, like literally every spice that is in pumpkin pie spice would go well with your whiskey. Yeah. But yes, this would. Yeah. Um, You're doing cinnamon? No. Oh! <laughs> I'm wrong. You were wrong. You were so confident, too. Yeah. Are you doing nutmeg? Nope. Dang. Are you, you done did ginger. I was asking those questions earlier because I was trying to figure out one of these. There's five. Mm-hmm. And one of the... So there's, you know, there's more than there are weeks in November. So one of my episodes is going to fall into December, and I wanted to make that the more Christmassy year. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was trying to decide, and maybe... If you guys would like to interact with us, Facebook, whatever, I might throw a poll out on Facebook, see if I can get some Do more it. feedback. Whether you think nutmeg or cinnamon is the more Christmassy herb, because well, that will determine on, on what too. my fifth 
um, pumpkin pie spice episode is because it'll be in December. So I want it to be Christmassy and it's kind of a toss up even with my family. Nutmeg versus cinnamon. We can't make up our mind. Which one's more? Nut. Which one's more Christmassy? I don't know. Nutmeg feels more Christmassy. It does. Cinnamon can be a... I don't know. Yeah, yeah, see? Yeah, it's close. So you guys let me know. I have at least next week's episode planned out um, before I have to pick one. It's it's going to win the popularity contest. Not necessarily because even the people I've asked, some people, Michael said nutmeg, you said nutmeg. Yeah. Michael's weird, though. So, well, so are you. Exactly. I mean, no. Yeah. We'll put up... I'm pretty sure so are most of our listeners. That's why, that's why they listen to us. I'll, yep. put a po- I'll put a poll on the Facebook page, probably on my Instagram story as well, and see if we can't... I can throw can't a poll on Spotify. Food. I don't know why I didn't think about that earlier. On, when I release this podcast, I'll throw the... Speaking of, like, posting polls and Spotify and stuff, you guys, I know... Um, I think Spotify just... Made it where you can rate, like you can't leave a review, but you can give mm-hmm. like three, four, five stars, whatever. But Apple, leave us a review on Apple, and that helps boost the podcast a lot. And not to mention, we like to hear feedback from you guys. Absolutely, we had a fan join the uh, Facebook group this week, and it just melts my heart that <laughs> you crazy people actually listen to us. But it's, we love it's, it. it's I love we hit five hundred getting to know uh, you guys listens last week when then it just shot up after last week's episode. Um uh, so we're real real glad and super thankful for all of you guys. Um but that would really help us out if you would leave us a review on Apple mm-hmm. on iTunes. That's what it's called. It's not Apple music, it's iTunes. I don't yeah. use I, yeah, Apple, yeah. so but anyway. Um, yeah, so I'm not talking about cinnamon. I'm talking about allspice. 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 For the longest time, I thought that was just a combination of spices. I did too. <laughs> I did too. Well, and it's I'm a spice going to for touch everything. on that. I'm going to actually bring that up. Um, so allspice is also known as Jamaican pepper, myrtle pepper, or pimento. Jamaican salt? No, Jamaican some pepper. That was a terrible Sorry, dad that was, joke. That was bad. <laughs> That was bad. I apologize. You didn't, I do you like didn't the name react though. that it was also called pimento. I was expecting a Is it in pimento that. cheese? No. It's actually... Oh. so. See, that was expecting some kind of reaction. <laughs> no, so apparently pimento has two different meanings. Yeah. Um, the, that sounded know. fun. It did. Should we check <laughs> on that? Yeah, I'm going to pause it real okay, quick. Okay, bye. <laughs> We're just going to disregard the uh, mysterious crash that was unidentified. Probably just a ghost. <laughs> oh no, my uh, sweet G's skin fell down. It did while I was messing with the camera and the light oh, for the whoopee. TikTok live. Um, for y'all, for y'all listening, also we record this on Sundays and we do try to go live on TikTok usually on um, your boy Jared Wade's TikTok. So if you listening want to catch it live as it's being recorded and unedited, which it's not really edited, super fully anyway but anywho um so yeah allspice is also known as pimento which is different than the pimento and olives which is actually a variety of sweet pepper it's actually a red pepper is what the pimento that's in like pimento cheese and Mm -hmm. and stuff is a red pepper oh that makes sense and that's different than um allspice um but allspice is made from the dried unripe berries of the pimento um Daisha, 
which is a tropical evergreen native to the West Indies and Central America. And that's why it's called pimento. It will sort of, I'll get to that later also, but because it's genus is pimento and it's part of the myrtle tree family. Oh, it is native to Central America. Yes. Cool. We're going to the same place tonight. Oh, how do we all? (laughs) So crazy that we do that. Um, so it's very similar to a bay tree, like its leaves are similar the way it grows. It's kind of shrubby, but it can also get really tall, um, and kind of be a canopy tree depending on what else it's surrounding. Um, I know in a lot of places it can be used as like shade of coffee trees. Hmm. Um, but the leaves are similar to bay leaves. They're oval and kind of glossy. Um, and you can cook with them Mm -hmm. just like you can bay leaves. Uh, popular in Caribbean, Latin America, and Middle Eastern cuisine. It is a key ingredient in Jamaican jerk seasoning. And Jamaican jerk is usually smoked yes. in yes, yes. Uh, pimento. You were blowing my mind right now. My mind wood. is going so many places. Yeah. The wood is really good for smoking. I bet. And Jamaican jerk is not only seasoned with allspice <laughs> berries, but it's smoked on allspice tree wood. Yeah, you are really Jamaican me happy right now. <laughs> I landed that one a little better. You, you did. Good job. In the West Indies, an allspice liqueur is made and called pimento dram. We're I like the word dram. I do too, and I don't know why. That's very loud. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You can edit it out. No, I'm not. Um, so allspice wasn't imported until um, imported to England until like the 1600s, mm-hmm. um, which is when, of course, Christopher Columbus made his voyage to the New World and found S- Central America, trying to get to India. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he was searching for spices and peppers. So he came, uh, he landed in Jamaica. This is in, I think, his second voyage to the New World is when he ended up in Jamaica and found all these trees that were growing just very well in Jamaica because they were being spread by the birds. Hmm. Like the birds would eat the berries and poop out the seeds. And yeah. he, So you had um, the pimento tree growing rampant in Jamaica. Bird poop is the best propagation method. Yes. And um, so he had never actually seen a pepper before. So he found these berries that were, there's these spice berries that were used as a spice in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And um, so he named them Jamaican pepper. No. Like he's the, it was Christopher Columbus is the reason that we have that name. He named them uh, Jamaican pepper, which um, gave way to its genus name Pimena, which is the mm-hmm. Spanish word for peppercorn. Ah. Which is why, because uh, I think pimena is originally like a Spanish food. I don't know. I, I'm thinking I'm pulling that out of my butt. Um, but the the word pimento for the sweet pepper is spelled the same and actually has an I in it. Hmm. Whereas the pimena for allspice does not. Okay. So that is another slight difference in like the spelling and probably comes from like the root word oh, yeah. being a little different. Makes sense. Um, and then Daisha came from the fact that the tree is Daishas. I figured that. Yes. When you said Daisha, I'm like, okay, so Daisha. That is the tree. only way I knew how to pronounce the. <laughs> it was not going to be um, that well, me trying to pronounce the scientific name until I read that fact. And I was like, oh, that's how you say yeah. Daisha. <laughs> because it's Daisha. 
1621, so now we've got these berries are being imported to Europe. In 1621, um, the name allspice was coined because of its multidimensional savory spice flavor that can be mimicked by combining cloves, cinnamon, pepper, and nutmeg. Mm. So that's why you kind of get this confusion that allspice is a blend of yeah. spices because it takes not only does the name sound yeah, such, it like but then it was spices. named that way because it tastes like a blend of spices. That makes sense. And too you much can sense. substitute it with those blends. Like if you're con- huh. like say you're making your own pumpkin pie spice mm-hmm. and you don't have any allspice, but you have all the others, you just increase a little bit nutmeg and cinnamon um, and cloves to get more of those flavors i'm learning so much right now that's the whole goal isn't it yeah Yeah. (laughs) um so from there allspice became widely traded and cultivated becoming an important spice in many cuisines like polish swedish and finnish um fun fact and you kind of touched on this repeated attempts to grow allspice trees from seed failed before they realized that something about passing through the avian GI mm-hmm. system was necessary to germination, huh. whether it's the acidity or the warmth, yeah. something about being pooped out by a bird made the trees grow better yeah. by seed. Well, that makes sense. You're getting you're getting this. Uh, the temperature is a very regulated temperature. You're getting the fertilizer built like right into the planting method. I mean, it's just yeah. Passing through a bird is the best way for any seed to propagate. <laughs> well, once they figured this out, they were able to kind of adjust how they were trying to propagate the seeds and better cultivate it. Yeah. I think it's naturalized um, to Hawaii. Huh. That all, makes sense. The allspice tree is now. Um, which makes sense because it's in that kind of everywhere I found. Uh, um, it seems to be really close to the equator. Like even when you go over to um, like India and stuff where it was mm-hmm. picked up as well. Um, it all seems to be areas close to the equator Yeah, um, is where it's very easily grown. And you can grow it in like a house or a greenhouse, but it, it likes warmer, wetter temperatures for sure. Me too. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, today in the United States, it's mostly used in desserts, but it is also the spice behind the unique flavor of Cincinnati-style chili. Huh. Which I didn't, I didn't know was know a thing. Cincinnati <laughs> I thought there was, I guess there's Texas and everybody else. I didn't know Cincinnati had. Yeah, I guess own. it's kind of like uh, New York cheesecake or who's one really good for pizza? Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. So I guess Cincinnati has yeah. chili. Um, and that they don't like sense, to put allspice okay. in it. <laughs> um, all right. So Jamaicans also drink hot tea with allspice for colds, dysmenorrhea, um, menstrual or also known as menstrual cramps and dyspepsia or upset stomach. Um, allspice was used in Costa Rica for dyspepsia and diabetes, as well as a menopause recipe remedy. Um, fun fact number two, I'm just full of oh, them tonight. Yeah. Um, menopause symptoms affect about 70% of women approaching like menopause, mm-hmm. like not everybody. So basically that like just cause you go through menopause doesn't mean you'll have symptoms, but 70% probably more experience symptoms when they reach menopause. Um, And a lot of them um, get hormone replacement therapy to help Mm -hmm. manage those symptoms. Um, Interestingly enough, in South and Central America, women typically experience menopause earlier than than American women. Hmm. Um, However, 
they are less likely to need hormone replacement therapy and they they view menopause in like a more positive light than yeah. we do here so they experience it earlier but like don't really it's not it's not that big of a deal oh. um and coincidentally enough they have a more plant and spice based diet yeah including all spice Nice. And so a 2009 paper suggests that allspice helps reduce menopause symptoms. And um, scientists believe that the berries have an oestrogenic, like a very strong oestrogenic activity, hmm. which is where it basically is balancing your estrogen and your progesterone. Um, this, because of this hormone activity, do not take while pregnant. Now, the there's so little needed in recipes because this, the flavor and the scent is so pungent like so strong mm -hmm. you don't need a whole lot of allspice to get the flavor you're looking for when you're like cooking with it yeah. so you're not getting enough cooking with allspice yeah. to worry about any of those effects that so that's sense. not saying you can't like eat and cook with allspice when you're pregnant you just can't take it as herbal medicine you look like you had a question no i'm just taking it all in yeah. baby Guatemalans would apply crushed allspice berries to bruises, sore joints, and for muscle aches. Huh. Um, in Cuban medicine, it was used for indigestion. So we're seeing kind of a theme here yeah. of uh, the GI troubles. <clears throat> um, also ended up being picked up in Ayurvedic medicine, which is like the Indian mm -hmm. um, medicine. So in Ayur Ayurvedic medicine, it was used to relieve respiratory congestion and toothaches. Studies have looked at the cardiovascular benefits of allspice extract. Um, and one of the cool things in these studies that I found is that water extracts worked better than alcohol extracts. Really? Which you don't huh. see yeah. in many herbs. Um, they suggested that it helped with like blood pressure and stuff because it was a vasorelaxant, mm -hmm. not because it acted on like beta receptors or alpha receptors or like the cholinergic system or anything. Like it didn't act on any system in your body other than just relaxing your blood vessels, <laughs> which opens them up and decreases pressure. Yeah. Um, and then through that, they also realized it was a central nervous system relaxant also, <laughs> which may be why it helps with, um, like muscle aches and yeah, and neuro other neuralgias. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Oh, the the central nervous system depressant was actually found very high in their leaf, in the leaf of the pimento tree. So not the nut or whatever the, it is. This, the berry. Um, yes, there is some in the berry, but a yeah. lot of it, like you can also get an extract off of the leaves hmm. to have kind of the similar effects. Um, there are in vitro studies looking at apoptosis. I'm sorry, I'm working my way to apoptotic. There oh, we go. Apoptart. Apoptart. <laughs> <laughs> my brain was having a hard time saying I couldn't get my phone. It kept autocorrecting it, and I just got angry. Right now, it says apop apoptolic, which is not correct. Yeah. Um, it said a apologistic or something earlier. I don't know. Um, so apoptosis is just the destruction of a cell. Yeah. Um, and so these have high apoptotic um, 
properties, cell-destroying properties, um, and anti-proliferative properties. These effects um, are what you want to see in like cancer-fighting things, Mm -hmm. things that are going to destroy cancer cells and keep cancer cells from growing. Um, There were studies that looked at these effects being strongest on breast and prostate cancers, as well as pancreatic cancers. Um, But I said these were just in vitro studies. There have been been no human or animal studies. Um, So very limited on the anti-cancer effects of allspice. But there, I mean, I say limited, but it's also kind of like heavily looked at. Like it's very well understood that there may be some benefit um, in the cancer community for like from allspice Hmm. um one of the issues with this data is though that they were kind of looking at just like we compared menopause between united states women and central american women who partook of allspice they were kind of using that same idea behind looking at like prevalence of cancer Mm -hmm. there wasn't really a lower prevalence of cancer in central american communities as um compared to like Mediterranean communities where they have a lot of lot their diet partake is a lot of like olive oil and stuff like that mm-hmm. that is also very um, antioxidant and other things that they're looking at for anti-cancer properties um, so that was kind of contraindicated but they think that has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of their allspice is used in liquors and jerky ah. and that maybe that's not a super great method of partaking this herb for its anti-cancer properties I'll try it <laughs> <laughs> Um, la la. In modern herbal medicine, allspice extract has been used for neuralgic pain. Um, allspice essential oil, when added to massage oils and baths, is known to promote circulation and it's anti-inflammatory, so it helps soothe um, muscle cramps and strains. Um, it's also used for a headache to combat stress and depression, fatigue, um, and a lot of that leans towards its scent too like just simply smelling it can kind of help it's just a stimulating herb even in its scent um from the essential oil um good aromatherapy and allspice blends well with ginger lavender um that just make it real diversified when it comes to aromatherapy like it's a good i never i don't think i have allspice essential oil and i would have never thought of it apparently it's a really good aromatherapy (laughs) so Allspice is really good aromatherapy option. <laughs> and fun fact, so I kind of looked into this, and of course we'll figure this out the more we look at it to it. I, for like October, and like September, October, once it got into fall and we started the pumpkin spice mm-hmm. craze started happening, I looked into these herbs and realized that a lot of them have very similar qualities and a lot of them have pain relieving and anti-inflammatory qualities. So if I got a headache and I need some pumpkin pie. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) So one of the things that I did was, um, I actually just intended on making a, um, I made the pumpkin spice lotion bars Mm -hmm. by infusing the, the spices in some pumpkin seed oil. And that was just to, you know, kind of cater to this scent flavor, whatever. And then got it to looking into these properties and realized this makes a really good bath tea. Like, yeah. essentially, it can do everything that my Marty's Miracle Salve does mm-hmm. as far as, like, pain relieving and stuff. And I have pain, of, you know, the Marty's Miracle bath tea. So I made a pumpkin spice bath tea. 
Makes sense. And I will say I don't think it worked quite as well, but my bath definitely smelled like pumpkin pie, and it was phenomenal. Nice. So anyway, while we're while we were on the topic of uh, the pain relief from allspice, and that quality may be stronger in the essential oil because that's the topic, like yeah, that's the I'm what sure. we're talking about. Um, speaking of the essential oil, we'll dive into constituents now. Oh. Allspice is four percent volatile oil, which is the highest I have touched on so far. That's higher than rosemary. Rosemary was one to two percent. Oh my gosh. Okay. Allspice berry is four percent. And eighty percent of that essential oil is eugenol. Okay. Just one compound makes up eighty percent of that volatile oil. (laughs) And eugenol there's a lot of information on it. It's a polyphenol. Um, it's known to stimulate digestive enzymes. So that's going to be a lot where a lot of your um, indigestion um, relief comes from. Um, it's also known as having analgesic effects, especially with nerve pain. It was, um, eugenol has been used by dentists as an anesthetic. Um, and you may, and we'll touch on this later, um, you may kind of get that, like this whole toothache thing. A lot of people use clove and clove oil is very common for toothaches because yeah. it has even higher concentration of eugenol. <laughs> Makes sense. I've heard of clove for that. Yes. Um, and allspice is like a cousin or something. Like it's a, it's a yeah. relative of clove. I was reading something on clove the other day. I can't remember exactly where I was at, but. I, don't know. I might touch on that next week. Oh. <clears throat> so okay, there then. are many studies on the many pharmacological activities of eugenol, um, including its synergistic effects with cancer treatments. Um, and synergistic means it works well together. So mm-hmm. using it in combination with cancer treatments, um, they saw reduction in tumor size, um, fewer metastasizing, um, more cancer cell destruction, which is that apoptosis. Mm-hmm. Um, so that quality was really high. Eugenol is another one of like the main compound of allspice that they're looking at for the cancer, anti-cancer effects. Um, another compound in allspice is quercetin, which I meant to go back and look through my notes to see which herb I talked about had I remember a lot seeing of quercetin in it. Um, there's not a lot in allspice. It's there, but not yeah. a lot. You can get it from other things. Um, but it's another polyphenol phenol, um, found in many foods, limited qualities in allspice. It has antiviral and anti-inflammatory properties, as well as also many studies for anti-cancer and antioxidant properties. <laughs> um, gallic acid is another big one in allspice. It's also antiviral and antiviral and antioxidant. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of lodgins and terpenoids in allspice as well. Nice. Um, so as far as your energetics, I imagine we can kind of pick, you knew it was coming. We can kind of pick (laughs) up where we're headed. Um, it's a very warming, very stimulating. Yeah. Um, and I would say drying. I don't, it's not what it's for. It's not for anything specifically dry or moistening. Yeah. Um, and so its activity is going to be, um, oh, I, I want to stay there for just a second where it says warming and I have a hunch. I haven't done the research on the others to know where we're going with the other three. 
um, parts of pumpkin pie spice, but ginger was also warming and mm-hmm. stimulating. Um, and so that's kind of where, again, I'm going to mention this group of herbs, this group of spices that's so heavily used this time of year when it's cold, when we're getting sick, when we're overindulging. When you need warming. When you need warming, when you need stimulating for your digestive system. Just the, this blend is absolutely perfect for this time of year. Yeah. Um, so it's a digestive stimulant and carminative, which just means it's a GI tonic. It's good for gas. It's good for bloating, diarrhea, vomiting, nausea, all the things. Um, it's antiseptic, antimicrobial, analgesic, anti-neuralgia, um, anti-inflammatory, and antioxidant. Um, again, I mentioned the estrogenic activity, and it's also hypotensive or anti-hypertensive, huh. um, which we talked discussed it being used and looked at to some for um, its vasorelaxant um, in lowering blood pressure. Um, so yeah, that's all the sciencey stuff. Oh, some more fun facts. There are several unrelated um, shrubs, and I'll mention three of them. Two of them are native. Okay. So okay. the non-native one that's actually native to China um, is called Japanese allspice or mm-hmm. winter sweet. Um, okay. I didn't. There wasn't a whole lot of use for it. It's basically going to be another one of your non-native, useless invasives uh, that yeah. you can get at the nurseries. Uh, a lot of them. No offense. Please don't take offense. But a lot of them are named either Japanese or Chinese something. Yeah. Chinese privet. Blah blah blah. Um. So there's also Carolina allspice, mm-hmm. um, Calicanthus floridus is uh-huh. our um, science scientific name. It is native to the eastern United States and has edible bark and flowers and disaffecting sap. Oh. And there's a lot more on it, but I'm saving that for later. Um, then there's wild allspice. And wild allspice is also known as common spice bush. I know Spice Bush. I know you know Spice Bush. I know bush. that guy. <laughs> I know that guy. That's neat. Lindera Benzoin. Huh. Um, though Carolina Allspice was also known as Spice Bush, yeah. but that name was more commonly used for um, wild allspice. There was quite a bit of Spice Bush at the uh, Botanical Gardens yes, we there went was. to there in Asheville. <laughs> yes, because... Common spice bush, Lindera benzoin, is native to eastern North America all the way from Ontario to Florida and all the way out to Texas. Nice. Um, and um, it has edible leaves, buds, and um, limbs, and the fruit can be dried and ground as an allspice alternative. Oh. So it actually fits the name, even though it's not related. Um, And it was used by the Cherokee, Iroquois, and Creek natives for many ailments. Nice. Probably because it was so prevalent. Yeah. Makes sense. All in all, all spice is good for indigestion, gas, abdominal pain, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation, heavy periods, menopause, nerve and muscle pain, toothaches, fever, colds, high blood pressure, diabetes, <laughs> while holding potential anti-cancer benefits as well. Wow. This warming digestive herb is perfect for those winter feasts and its savory spice flavor makes it a great companion in pumpkin pie spice. Nice. Ta-da! 
Ta-da! I enjoyed that. I know. Allspice was much more magical than I I'd, expected. I've it learned to be. that with everything we've no. studied so far, but I, I until Sometimes tonight, I feel like a broken record when I'm making my notes, and I'm like, I think I'm just typing the same thing for everything. <laughs> but there is, I mean, I, and they all do their own special thing. Yeah. And work yeah. in their Listen, own special I know way. much more about allspice now. I, I thought, I, until tonight, thought that it was a mixture of spices. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that I realized, like, in my cabinet, it was before I got in, and before I got into herbalism, but not really that long ago, like when I was trying to get more familiar with just the mm-hmm. herbs that I was cooking with, oh, yeah. um, did I realize that allspice wasn't, like... I would have allspice, and then like you have apple pie spice, mm-hmm. and then you have pumpkin pie spice. I thought all yeah, of those were kind it, of the same. It, I actually, for, I, think, just like good I think, I think as like everything. a child, or not as a child, child, but like cooking as a teenager. Oh, yeah. I think I remember. I thought allspice was apple pie spice. I mean, yeah, yeah, and it, there probably it is sense. some in it. I yeah. don't know, but I literally thought it was the blend of spices that was used in apple pie. Same, yeah. So. Uh, so, we can, and we that's can, apparently a yeah. common misconception. We can honestly say we know more now than we <laughs> knew coming in. So, but I mean, that was why they named it that. It's yeah. named allspice because it literally tastes any, like a yeah. spice blend. That's awesome. All from one berry. Absolutely. Well, hey. Hey. I know you hate this game. I do. I don't like guessing. But you're. Gonna. It makes me so anxious. The the listeners love it. The listeners love it. I have several hints, and I still do. don't think I'm going to get it. Okay. And I could. Go, I know what page you were looking on in my book. No, you don't. I do. It was next to Ginger. Uh-uh. Yes, huh? No. Yes, because I saw that page, but I okay. didn't, couldn't see the other page. So where it you starts were with a at. G. Gooseberry? No, it don't start with a G at all. Oh. <laughs> no. Bleep you. That was rude. I was trying to throw The book's you not even in alphabetical order. Oh, it's not? No. no. I was trying to play that chord. But then I also know what section you were looking at in my book when you said, oh, it's in your book. Which yeah, is why I said Gooseberry, because Gooseberry had, was in there. We had like B through W on those pages. We did have B through W on those pages. Um, Hawthorne? No, it's not a tree. It's not a tree. Not a tree. It is a grass. I don't know grasses. <laughs> Ra? I hate you. Want me to tell you? No. <laughs> bluegrass? No, that's not even native, by the way. Kentucky bluegrass is not native. That's bizarre. Yeah. Wheat? Is wheat considered a grass? You're getting closer. Oats? Oats are very medicinal. <clears throat> I knew you knew that. Yeah, you're going in the same direction. But it's not rye? No. Corn? Sing the song. What song? It's corn. <laughs> a big lump of knobs. It oh, has the juices. juices. <laughs> I can't imagine a more beautiful thing. Corn's a grass. Yeah. I thought it was it's a, a grain. It's a grass. It's okay. a grass that makes grains. Grains are the product of grass. My mind is blown. Go oh, ahead. Continue. So this has been a fun week. So I started you right... You knew corn was medicinal. I talked about needing corn silk for my UTI. Uh, it, it, Here did, we are I, again. I forgot to go down that route because I went down so other many routes. <laughs> trying to what was that sentence it. again? I don't even know. 
because I'm drinking my corn right now. <laughs> so other many routes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm drinking my corn um, distilled here locally. So anyway, so my plan was, I told you last week that my plan was to do the three sisters. That's right. And I yeah. forgot about that. But then as I look more into the three sisters, and of course you've already covered pumpkin. Yes. Um, and I'm like, I was, I started, then I just like, well, let me learn a, more about each of these three sisters. And I've been on corn ever since. <laughs> <laughs> so, and a lot of it revolved around the history of corn and the meaning of corn. Like in native. The song's not getting out of my No, head. it's been in my head all week. <laughs> and I. And it's my namesake. I mean, my name is Corn Fed. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Y'all remember back in the day, this is for all my millennials. Remember back in the day when you had signatures in your text message? Oh, yeah. So there's like a whole lot of drama that goes with when me and Jared first went out. And I, he forgot to give me his number. I tried to get his number from someone I knew would have it. She gave me the wrong guy's number because she was jealous and then blah, blah, blah. I finally tracked down and this guy, the, the fake Jared was very inappropriate. And I was like, this doesn't sound like the guy I went out with. This is not right. So, But now. But now. But then I finally got the right number, and I texted him. I said, hey, you never get me your number, but I think I tracked you down. And he texted me back, and the signature was corn-fed. <laughs> that's me. And I was like, 100% correct, dude. <laughs> that's me. That was my... That was how I knew. That was my MMA nickname. It, yeah, because you were farm-raised and corn-fed. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I dove into corn, dove into the history of corn. Um, Then also, later on, kind of into the um, medicinal aspect of corn, specifically the corn silks. And then we'll kind of touch on the three sisters toward the end. Because I don't want to, I mean, I probably could do a whole episode on beans after I'd learned you can do a whole episode on corn. Um. But I'm just going to knock out the three sisters at the end of this. And then I've got, I have got the rest of the year planned out. That's exciting. I do too. Yeah. So we're very on top of this thing. It's the holidays. Yeah. So corn. The most wonderful time of the year. So, Can I go, go fix me another drink? Because uh, clearly I need it. Uh, Yeah. Absolutely. So corn. Let me pull up my notes. And I... <laughs> This is going to be more of a, I do have notes and I do have pages pulled up, but I, I feel like this is just more of a conversational piece because there's so much history with corn. All right. So corn's origination, right? I don't even know where to begin. Uh, so is corn, corn is native to the Americas. I ain't going to say it's native to like, it's native more so to like Central America, mm -hmm. um, Mesoamerica, like your Mayans. Um, when it was maize. Yes, maize. Yeah. They're they're the ones who developed corn. Do you remember the dog we saw today? Yeah. The cute little doggy in the store that almost got eaten by that. Yeah, his name was Maze. Her name was Maisie. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, because yeah. They, apparently when she was a little puppy, the husband thought she looked like a piece <laughs> of corn, so they named, <laughs> so they named her Maisie. <laughs> yeah. But um. In early Mesoamerica, this is dating back like 10,000 plus years, give or take, that the Mayans um, and other Mesoamerican tribes and civilizations started taking grasses 
and they GMO'd them into corn as we know it. Huh. So that it would produce like a, a this grass produced this head and this grass produced this head. Then you mixed the grasses and then it made it a little bit bigger. So it started out as like corn started as like a little one inch seed pod deal, yeah. like a grain. And then they, they developed it into corn like as we know oats. it. Yep. So um, it began as a combination of wild grasses in Mesoamerica. Maize was bred and hybridized over and over and over and over to create the plant that we now recognize as corn. But like nat, but like so it's yes naturally Any, not in like a lab. Yeah, yeah. That's so, so cool. And that's what you get. That's what you know. You have to be careful when you preach against GMOs because literally everything we that was eat, something that was practiced. Yeah, anything that we eat as we know it is more than likely a genetically modified plant yeah or that's just like cross yeah. crossbreeding like i mean we ourselves are gmo'd yeah basically yeah that's why that's a big yeah. big thing you 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 pick out some people not everybody you you pick out who you want to breed with to yeah. end up with children that have decent genetics yeah it's, so it's I just mean, a, the basic that's just how genetics work things are going to be yeah i think the modified. biggest the biggest beef with gmos is the ones that are laboratorily bred not more so for more output or more production but to be chemical resistant and all this kind yeah. of other stuff um but yeah it, m most things as we know it are gmos um especially corn um early hybrids produced only a handful of tiny ears measuring approximately one inch in length wow yeah but it it started out as a black almost pointy hard kernel and it was called tiesonite or tiesonite however you pronounce it um it was the type of grass that they produced and they just kept breeding it and hybridizing it over and over and over and over and over again until you got ear of corn and you got to think how much of a cultural impact this had when you had hunter gatherer civilizations mm -hmm. where now you can just plant your food yeah. Like, it was a safety net. I mean, of course, you still dealt with, you know, flooding or droughts and stuff and growing the stuff. But knowing where your next meal was going to come from and then yeah. producing an abundant amount to where you had fresh corn, you had some to put up and grind into meal. Um, you just had a, a almost certain base of your diet yeah. that was taken care of, which actually studies during that time once agriculture was that this is where agriculture started in the americas and once you had that you had longer lifespans you had less infant mortality i mean you had much more stable because yeah, you're not having lives. to travel for your yeah. just your and food. it also freed <laughs> up time where they were having to go out and find their next meal this freed up so much time in their lives that that's when you start seeing their art and all these mm -hmm. pretty things that they made and all this stuff um, from that era, they freed up time for that because they had a food source. They didn't yeah. have to go out and hunt it and gather it. So I thought that was pretty neat. Um, so maize, or as we refer to it now as Indian corn, you've probably seen the different colors. Yeah. When it's always labeled as Indian corn. Because um, it comes in a wide variety of sizes and colors. While large yellow ears are the most common variety today, early American natives grew fields of blue, black, red, white, yellow, purple, and speckled corn. Blue and, corn is so cool to me. 
check this out. Different colors had different flavors and nutritional qualities. That makes sense. Because yeah. even like yellow corn, you can tell filled corn. Oh, yeah. Grown for when you like get some commercial use. Sweet G90 sweet versus G90, candy your silver. Corn. Yeah. Um, the, the taste is so different. Yeah. But the blue corn was perhaps the most popular thanks to its nutritional value. Yeah. Which so, is why you have blue, blue corn tortilla mm-hmm. chips. Yes. Love those. Absolutely. Um, and of course, like I mentioned, this also allowed for a more sustainable food resource, allowing for longer lifespans, lower infant mortality rates, and just a better lifestyle in general. And now this started in Mesoamerica. And I didn't really trace how it made its way around the Americas, but corn is something that took off and is now, I mean, amongst all native tribes, you have this special affinity for corn. Yeah. I mean, whether it's the Northeast, the Southeast tribes, the Southeast probably bigger in particular because the Cherokees and more so the Muscogee Creeks um, were notable in their agricultural practices. And corn was kind of the base of that. But all around the Americas, it made its way around, obviously, because in near, in, I won't say nearby every, but in most tribes that you encounter, um, they have some sort of annual ceremony, typically their biggest ceremony of the year that revolves around corn. corn. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the Creeks and the Cherokees and most of your Southeastern tribes, and a lot of them, really, they have the green corn ceremony, mm-hmm. which is every year, which is a really neat thing. They apparently have the um, the sacred fire. This is coming from Creek history here, but you have a sacred fire that burns all year long, and this corn harvest or the green corn ceremony, it kicked off whenever you had the first ripe ear of corn Mm -hmm. and it kicked off this two or three day festival. It started off with like a day of fasting for the men um, or everybody fasted except for like your young children and your elders and stuff like this. And you had these ceremonies and dances and rituals and you had what was called the sacred fire, which burned year round. And this was the time of year where the corn harvest signified a renewal and a cleansing. So they would put this fire out in this ceremony with like any baggage that they had from that year, yeah. any wrongdoings kind of, you know, and they would rekindle the fire and start a new sacred oh, fire cool. and kind of just like a moment yeah. of cleansing. Um, and during the ceremonies, male participants took sacred drinks. This is going to tie right into my next episode or two weeks from now. You'll know where I'm going. Um, they took sacred drinks or medicine. Um, Little information has survived about this practice, but scholars do know that the men ingested a variety of plant-based mixtures during the course of the busk, which is what this period was called. The plant sleeves were used to make a caffeinated beverage similar to tea that men drank as part of a ritual purification rite, which sometimes included vomiting of the drink to symbolize that purification. So this is um, in reference to Yopon Holly. Uh-huh. Yeah, so this was... I caught, caught where you were going yeah, there. Yeah, so Alex Vomitoria. Um, this is how, and I've had a lot of people on my social media platforms warning me about drinking my daily Yopon because it has Vomitorius in the name. Um, but they mixed it with a lot of other things with the end goal of vomiting. Like the vomiting yeah. was a part of this ritual um, and it was meant to symbolize purification. But just so you know, Drinking Yopon Holly will not make you vomit in and of itself. It's just tea. Um, 
the color white symbolized an uncontaminated state for southeastern natives, and they referred to the concoction as the white drink. The liquid is actually black, like coffee, however, and it became known as the black drink among Europeans. So it was actually known as white drink to right. the natives because of its symbolizing purification. Yeah, okay. Um, then the Europeans came over and called it black drink and then noted the vomiting. With all that of their took, misunderstanding yeah, of that, everything. They're like, they but it's black, so it's a black drink. It makes them vomit, and that's how the Europeans wrote off and named it Alex Vomitoria. Yeah. Um, which now I think a lot of people don't realize I didn't think I really put it together until until today when I was reading about where the scientific name for allspice came from mm-hmm. that 1600s yeah that's yeah. not that long ago no. I guess I just I mean and I, I'm gonna say it and it's gonna sound stupid as I say it that scientific names haven't been around forever yeah that they they came from somewhere someone who no, discovered them decided to the, give them a latin based name and they're helpful but your natives whether native to america or wherever the plant is native to that the people lived with this plant yeah. they named it after whatever it practically did yeah like this tree fixes a toothache it's a toothache tree yeah like that just makes way too much sense but the, you know, scientific names do help. They do, but I didn't. I guess I just didn't put them being. They're basically from the Europeans. Yeah. Now there's a lot like some of them that I've noted before. Um, were named like, like Pliny the Elder, which is like first century. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of them do date really far back. But yeah, most of them. Especially you're get if from, they were in the Americas, yeah. because those were you know discovered by the Europeans um, later. You yeah. know, in your fifth you know, your 15th century and on. Um, I just, that was just so interesting to me to, to, and then to just giggle at myself that when they do it incorrectly, yeah, like all spices incorrectly named, but confidently, exactly. <laughs> like the whole tree is named Pimento Dioecia, which is correct, but it is not a pepper. Yeah. And he thought it was, but anyway, uh, white people. Yeah, and just like they come over and they're like, "Oh, that drink makes you vomit," and it's black, so we're gonna call it the black drink and vomitorious, even yeah. though that has that was not fully accurate yeah. an understanding of what it did. Yeah. Well, from a native perspective, um, going back to corn now, you typically in native culture you have oral stories that are passed down. Like well, as Christians, we have the scriptures, which has written. But many of your tribes did not have written languages. So most of your stories, like the creation stories or the explaining of how certain events happened or certain things came about and how the world was put together, it's all these, it's folklore. Yeah. It's, and I don't mean that with a negative connotation. I mean, it was passed on orally in story form. That's yeah. how you related it to the kids and then the kids yeah. came up and then that's just how it was passed down. Well, Kanadi and Salu. We're going to meet them tonight. Um, this is from Cherokee lore, and that is how wild game and corn came to be. Was And I found several different iterations of the story, but pretty much so you had the first man and the first woman. Basically, mm-hmm. the Adam and Eve of the native people was Kanadi and Salu. Kanadi was the man and like the man of wild game, and Salu was corn. And so they had this kid or kids. I found different iterations again. And apparently, 
they nourished the people with Kanadi with his wild game. He would go out every day and he would always come back with deer and turkeys and bison and elk. Mm -hmm. And then um, Salu would come back and always there would always be corn um, there. It was always provided for. Well, one day one of the kids um, decided to go check out how they were getting all this stuff. And they found Kanadi going into like this cave that was just full of all these wild animals where he could pick them off and just take them back. That's nice. And he went and he found Salu um, in the house. And <laughs> with the iterations of these stories, some say it just appeared. Some of it was in her defecating is how the corn was made. Um, but either way, there was these magical things that happened with uh, abundant, never-ending resources of mm -hmm. wild game and corn. Um, but then when they caught the child that was spying on them, they ended up, there was like a curse, and they said, well, now we have to die, and you have to go forward, um, and you'd have to hunt for the game, and you'd have to make the corn grow. So then they died, and then they always looked back to Kanadi and Salu as the origination of wild game. Why now corn. you have to work for and then, food? Yeah. That's very Adam and Eva. Yeah, and then one of the stories, though, um, Salu was killed or had to be killed, or a kid, the kids killed her or something. And one of her parting things she said was that wherever my blood touches, corn will pop up. Kind of like the Cherokee Rose uh -huh. with the tears on the trail. Um, but wherever her blood touched during her death is where corn would grow. Hmm. And that's how corn came to be. I thought that was really neat. That is neat. And I was going to read the story, but I came across so many different variations of it. Yeah. I'm like, that would be hard to nail down. And I don't want to get it wrong, so I just figured I'd go over the... The gist of it. The gist of it. The gist of it. Um, and obviously, corn has its staple. Um, this time of year being harvest season. Mm -hmm. Corn um, is a big, big it, part Corn's of that. a big player, and it's probably the biggest native player um, in so many things. Like, if we could just sit here and play a game of naming things that corn goes in. Yeah. Like what you can make out of corn. We ate it tonight. We got cornbread. We got the cornmeal that we battered the mm -hmm. eggplant in. Yep. Um, grits. Grits. Uh, just corn. Corn on the cob. You got cream corn. I feel like we could do Bubba off of Forrest Gump, but with corn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> vegetable casserole. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, like to put it in my taco chili. I like to put it in my regular chili. Yeah. Um, but, you know, too, and I was talking to the kids today while we were at Rodeo's eating lunch. Um, the... the Mexican food is probably the most American food because they still pretty much stick to the Native American ingredients. Yeah. I mean, it, you have flour tortillas now, but if you go legit, I mean, you're looking at corn tortillas, beans, um, is pretty standard American. Even if you go to Rodeo and get their like loaded nachos, like it's, uh, it's the corn chips with steak. And squash on top of it. Hmm. And squash is also going to be your native. Yeah. So, but corn's going to be very, like the way that the natives developed corn into what it is from grasses. So did um, like the Middle East and why in scripture you read so much about wheat. That's how they developed wheat over there was from grass. It's like the same yeah. concept and they got wheat. And then in Asian countries, specifically China, that's where you get rice. Rice, yeah. They did the same where thing they made to get rice. into something edible. Yeah. So rice was your first agricultural staple 
in the Far East, and wheat was your main first agricultural staple in the Middle East, and then corn is that to the Americas. Mm -hmm. So that is like our thing. Interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Then I, you know, I didn't really want to dive down the corn medicinal route, but then I pulled out your book and I was reminded that corn is medicinal because a lot of the articles you come across was like the natives used it for this and this and this, but there wasn't a whole lot of medicinal to it. It's just nutritional benefits. I know at least one of them. Sorry. What are you doing? It wouldn't turn the volume down. I'm trying to get to the live. (laughs) They ain't been there in a long time. Okay. Um, so the corn, the lumps of knobs themselves <laughs> aren't the that just Yeah, that's the nutritional aspect of it. But the corn silk, mm-hmm. which you have the corn silk, that if you pour the the uh, the, mo- the husk yeah. back, and then you it'll reveal the silks, which one leads to each little lump of knob. Uh-huh. Every lumpy knob has a silk that ties to it, and that's how it gets its nutrients. Um, but the silks do have medicinal value, and you can make a corn silk tincture. Yep. Or you can make corn silk tea. tea. Um, and the soft thread-like corn silks of maize are one of the major herbs used in Western herbal medicine to treat urinary conditions. Yep. So we're back to the UTI again. Yep. Hey, it I need a sound sense. effect for that. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody peeing in the toilet no. sound. Yeah, absolutely. No. We unironically end up here every week. We do. Yeah. yeah. Every week. Definitely. Um, but this gentle yet effective herb is very soothing and has a long history of use in aiding urinary tract infections. Um, the silks of maize are the stigma of the plant's female flowers. These fine soft threads are generally four to eight inches long. Their taste is sweet. They are sweet. I'll give them that. Mm-hmm. And they have a cooling and drying energetic temperature. The main constituents that give this herb its medicinal properties are mucilage and manose, or manose, which is a type of sugar. It's got mucilage in it? Yes. That's interesting so, because m- most mucilage um, herbs are moistening, mm-hmm. not drying. But I know the, corn silk's diuretic, so I would consider it drying. Yeah, one of the biggest in- things that I read about corn silk, I don't even have it in my notes, so I remember reading about it, it stuck out, was its mucus production in the upper respiratory and the digestive system. So it can be, it can be moistening also mm-hmm. as far as energetics go. Yeah. Just depends on which, but and it tends to be good overall. Um, it can be used for some up here stuff, but mainly your digestive system and more specifically your urinary tract uh-huh. is it's going to create, it's going to make that work as it should. Mm-hmm. Like we've talked about before. A tonic, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it has a few qualities which give it, um, medicinal actions as a, Demulcent maize is thought to increase mucus production. Here we go. I do have it in my notes. Um, in the digestive, respiratory, and urinary systems, the increase in mucus from the demulcent action soothes inflammation and combined with its aquaretic action may help decrease bacterial adhesion. Mm-hmm. Um, corn silk also <laughs> has mild antiseptic and anti-inflammatory properties. And these qualities make this herb helpful in the treatment of bladder inflammation and flexion infection, inflammation of the prostate, and interstitial cystitis. Um, so it does have medicinal properties that yes. I did not even plan on going into tonight yep. until I opened up your little book. I'm like, it's corn. It's a big lump of knobs. It has the juice. I couldn't imagine a more wonderful thing. 
which leads me to where I started this whole fiasco and the three sisters. You, we brought it up some in the pumpkin episode, but the way, um, first of all, the three sisters, corn was looked at as the oldest, the eldest sister. It was the main staple, right. the first in agriculture. It is like the eldest sister. You can imagine how an eldest sister acts in a mm-hmm. family. Kind of takes on a little mother role. I don't have to imagine. Yeah. I, I, I'm talking am. to the listeners. Oh. I'm talking to the listeners. Well, but that is, my bad. That is what corn is with yes. the younger sisters being beans and squash. Um, more commonly so pumpkins. Um, or winter squash is also used quite a bit. Um. But the main idea here, um, when it comes to native plants, is easy to think of all the shrubs, vines, wildflowers, grasses. Um, but very seldom when it comes to native plant, <laughs> native plants. Flan. Very seldom when it comes to native plants do we think about food, which is why I thought corn was going to be a difficult episode. Yeah. Because you think about oak trees and hickory trees and mm-hmm. your crab apples. Which is why when you ask me to guess, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Or your pretty shrubs. I mean, you got your beauty berry and you got all this. But you you never and you never think what produce is native yeah. to the Americas. And it's really only these three. You, I mean, your corn, your beans, and your squash. Mm-hmm. That's really the only produce. I'm using air quotes. Food. Agricultural food um cultivated food that is native what's that your nuts sorry i'm refraining from the joke there it was in your eyes though i could see it <laughs> my nuts are native i learned that this week <laughs> I, I can't even rephrase it to no longer make it I can't. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. I apologize. So, so, and that's where my notes end, and we're about to go on a little fiasco here. So, <laughs> oh, I wasn't prepared for a fiasco. Oh no, it's just, I'm just going to talk about the three sisters. This is my background. Agriculture is my thing. Yes. So I figured I could just let's talk it out and understand the three sisters. So you got corn or maize. Mm-hmm. You got beans, and there's a lot of native beans, like your black beans, pintos, like. There's boo coodles of beans that are considered native. And then, of course, your squash, which is going to be your winter squash, your pumpkins, and things like this. Well, once agriculture took off and corn became an agricultural staple, um, and agriculture became a way of life more so than a hunter-gatherer lifestyle, they started utilizing these plants in probably the most proficient and efficient way that I feel like we've gotten away from, which is, and there's a big movement now called um, Back to Eden that um, pushes this use a lot, where I think the Back to Eden concept <coughs> is really big on no-till. Like you, you yeah. take your garden bed and God, you... God, I would love to get, be able yeah, to get there. You apply such a thick layer of mulch, but then a lot of your Back to Eden proponents are going to be pushing this Three Sisters way of gardening. Uh-huh. And it's really ideal for that because, so you got your corn, which is going to provide your stalks and the bulk of your product. Uh-huh. Um, then you're going to have your beans, which is going to first trellis up the corn yeah. stalks. So support is going to support, support the corn stalks. The corn stalks are going to support the beans mm-hmm. as well as replenish the soil with nitrogen, yep. which corn is very nitrogen dependent. Um, so like our rotations here on the farm, 
Um, your peanuts, which is a legume, just like a bean. It's more closely related to a bean than it is a nut. Um, you want to plant your corn behind your peanuts, like a year of peanuts to replenish nitrogen in the soil. Then you're going to plant your corn. Mm-hmm. Well, in this, you were getting it at the same time. Yeah. You had your beans feeding the corn. So they, the corn was providing support. The beans were providing the nutrients for the corn to grow. And then you get actually your protein yeah. and your carbs growing together. Yeah. Together. I mean, you had a fully nutritional diet growing together, feeding each other and making each other work. Then you add in your squash, which most of the time is going to be like a vining squash. Like we think of our summer squash now and it's bushes, like uh-huh. bushy squash. Bushes? Is that a word? It is. A, yeah. Bushes. Bushes? Bushes. How is that not a word? I'm pretty sure you just made that up. Bush eye? What's the plural of bushes? What? What's the plural of bush? I thought you said bushes, like as oh. an adjective. <laughs> I thought oh, you... <laughs> I do like that. That sounds smart. I th- <laughs> you were so confident. I didn't realize you said bushes. Bushes. No. I thought you were saying bushes as like yeah. you were... <laughs> so the squash grows on a very bushes plant. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard. Uh, I thought you had made a new adjective. I was. I like it. Google I'm keeping. Am... Bushes was even. <laughs> I I'm, st- it's not. I'm sticking I don't with even it. Don't know how to spell that. B u s i o u s. Nope. Blushes is a word. Your butt's quite bushes. Oh, we yeah. went there. Oh, okay. So there's a Facebook profile called Bushes Eric. <laughs> okay. So. Focus, woman. I'm Focus. Sorry. You're not paying me any attention. It's throwing me off. I, I was okay. literally paying you all the attention, and that's how I heard you make more a new adjective. I need more. Um, so you had your corn, you had your beans, then your squash. <laughs> and when you think of vining squash, you're thinking more of like a pumpkin. Right. Not the way a pumpkin grows. It vines and it spreads. Really all other squashes. All of them but your summer, summer squash. squash yeah. Yeah, are vining. And what this does is provide ground cover and shade to shade out... Um, other vegetation from choking mm-hmm. out your plants and it um, actually keeps critters and insects from getting to your corn and your beans. So the way that all three work together is actually quite magical. Yeah. Um, it's what many is referred to now in the, in the hip circles as companion gardening. Um, but, and this was played such an important role in native agriculture that the three sisters were, they held like a lot of spiritual connotation. Yeah. And rightly so in that it's pretty unbelievable how well they work, they together. work together. Yeah. Um, but then not only do they work together to feed each other, but the spiritual connotation would be of providence or provision in that they're providing for you. Cause you name a more well-rounded meal than your, your corn. With your beans for your protein and your squash. Like, that's like a really good chowder. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And, of course, I would add wild game to that, which I'm sure they did. Yeah. Um, But, it's, I mean, if if you're if you're new to gardening, if you're new to agriculture, you, you didn't grow up on a five-generation farm like myself. You don't know. You're moving from the city. You want to get out to the country. You want to provide for yourself. Um, there is no better place to start 
than the three sisters. Like you're covering all your bases, you're covering all your needs, they're taking care of each other. Um and I think it's really, really neat how they do that. Yeah. Um, so but then I mean once you introduce this back to back to Eden gardening method when you got and re- you know, it's got a fancy name now. But even Ma, when talking to Ma about redoing their yard and how we needed to um, establish our garden in our yard here, it was just to apply an extremely thick layer of mulch, whether it's the cotton compost mm-hmm. or whatever compost you can get, and provide thick layers of mulch, do it continuously year in, year out, and eventually you have incredibly fertile soil. Yeah. And now, I mean, you have the Back to Eden method, but this is this is knowledge and practice that's been around since the natives. Um. Yeah. It's pretty neat. That is pretty neat. Yeah. I'm so glad you dove into that. I completely forgot you were going to dive into the three sisters. Yeah. And, and I think that is such a big part of Thanksgiving, so I think it's very perfect. I can't rant for hours about the three sisters, which is why I kind of <laughs> delved off into corn. But to bring it up and just look at how well they companion with each other. Yeah. And how it's been utilized for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and how it originated here in America. And that's why it's now a... Well, I mean, all three of those things are staples in the American. Oh yeah, diet. One, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. I mean, my my kids have grown up eating raw ears of corn and garden peas, and yeah. and that's why if you're especially in rural communities where your churches have harvest days or you have harvest day get-togethers, while the main decor is pumpkins and corn. Yeah. Um, I'm here to advocate for more beans in the marketing for harvest day. <laughs> I think they're extremely left out. Where would you put that in in the decorative arrangement? Um, like a green bean? Like would you put a green? No, I'm thinking of the little like speckled beans. Those would be pretty amongst yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, you put speckled corn in there. Yeah, but it's got it's you know it's a whole piece. It's got the greens and the silks and your, can... your corn. So and then you got your pumpkin. That's a they're just beans are just beans. You look so offended right now. I am. <laughs> I think beans deserve more credit. Because they're awesome. I mean, baked beans. I think beans are yeah. awesome too, decoratively, though. Yeah, I'm decorating our house with beans. Good luck with that. <laughs> I'm just dumping them all over the floor. And you can clean it up. Now the kids will do it. Uh, good thing. <laughs> yeah, so that's corn. That's the big lump of knobs. It has it the juice. It does have the juice. And it is a GMO plant. From 10,000 years ago. <laughs> that is so crazy cool. <laughs> like, they were so smart, though. I mean, yeah. they have, they've done brain surgery. They have skulls from that period of time, thousands and thousands of years ago, with, obviously, they used an obsidian or something and have precise cuts into the skull. These are called lobotomies, and um, nobody likes those because <laughs> they're not done anesthetically. Yeah, but the fact that they were doing brain surgery years and years and years and years, like... I can be impressed and also disturbed at the same time. Oh, obviously. I mean... Because most of these were done because they didn't have MRIs and CAT scans to be like, oh, you got a brain tumor. No, these are people that were, like, psychologically unwell. Yeah. And thought that they could take out part of their brain to make them better. It's worth a shot, you know? Without anesthetics, cut the top of their skulls off to then pull out part of their sick brain. 
That's a lobotomy, and they're not cool. It's fascinating. (laughs) It is fascinating. I'll give it that. Uh, Fascinating, but Uh, uncool. Yeah. They were... They were now mu- that we dove into lobotomies, apparently. They were much smarter than we give them credit oh, for. Oh, yeah. I mean. <laughs> you gotta think 100, 200, whatever years from now, they're going to be saying the same shit about us. Yeah. The same. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll beep it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, because it, it's just going to keep advancing. Yeah. Like they couldn't have imagined us being where we, we are uh, now. Unless we get one of those. They were smart for their technology and for the age. And now, oh, yeah. you know, we have what we have. Can you only imagine where we're going to be a thousand years from now? Especially in Mayan and Aztec culture. Um, the, the idea of aliens are even more prominent. Oh, yeah. Then, oh, yeah. whereas that's just like a a theory that we suspect that aliens helped build the Great Pyramids because there's no way that man could have done that with the technology that they had back then. But the, I think the reason it's not focused as much in Mayan and Aztec culture is because it's not just the pyramids <laughs> that make us think that aliens were involved with the Mayans and the Aztecs. And now we're going off of a, uh, a whole huge cliff. Fair. But this is... I- I've watched several documentaries on on that civilization, and it's just it's really mind blowing. Yeah, it really is. But all in all, the best thing that they ever did was give us corn. So there's that because it has the juice <laughs> and it makes bourbon. You can make liquor and with it. Makes it. Liquor, you can make liquor with it. Why didn't I say that? I, was, I meant to put it in my notes for me to say that. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll take this and put it in like the middle. Yeah, hold on. You can make liquor with it. Yes. There. Bourbon. Now you can put that yeah. anywhere in there you need yeah. to put it. And oddly Editing enough, skills. that's another Appalachian contribution yeah. to the world. And the three sisters. Yeah. Because. Nature knows more than we do. You just got to learn about it. 